Hello. How are you? This is the Jack Alfred podcast. I think it's about episode 26. And, uh, yeah, it's just me today again. So, um, yeah. Had a busy day today. Dropped my mum off at the train station. She's off, uh, off on a trip with her mum, my grandmother, to London Town. Very nice. On the way back, I had a nip. Uh, had a nip. I nipped to the museum, the Leicester Museum, also called New Walk Museum. On New Walk, beautiful New Walk. Had a quick look in there. Had a look at the dinosaurs, the fossils, the minerals, rocks, shit. It was cool. Look through some uh, microscopic cameras at fossils and stuff. Had a look at the art collection. Looked at some ceramics from ancient Egypt. 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 Oh, it was very good. I highly recommend going to museums on cold mornings in the winter on a Sunday. It's very relaxing. And then I saw a sign for some sort of weird spiritual craft fair. So obviously I had to go in there and that was a trip. Uh, The atmosphere was like a flaccid balloon. It was very Christian, beige, sort of cream cracker, atmospheric, atmospheric, atmosphere. As you can see, I'm fully depleted now, having a hot bath and my brain has turned to mush. But um, did you know the term psychedelic is derived from the Greek words psyche, which means soul or mind, and delune, which means to manifest. Psychedelune. Psychedelune. Hence the term mind manifesting. It was first coined by British psychiatrist Humphrey Osmond in 1957. While this term has been popular among the lay public for decades, its use has generally been frowned upon by the scientific community. Blah, 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 blah. Yo. Because... It implied these substances had useful properties. In fact, in the late 60s, it was politically correct in scientific circles to refer to these substances only as psychotomimetics. 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 I can't even fucking say that. It's hard to say. Which suggested that these drugs fostered a mental state resembling psychosis. Well, you know what? I'm fucking into that because I don't think anyone should be messing with drugs, especially mind-altering ones. But I was looking up the word psychedelic, the origin of it, because I often like to do that when I'm using words in titles, in writing. I want to really understand them because when I think of using the word psychedelic, I'm normally using it to describe colours I'm using and the way my art looks. But obviously that word comes from... Drugs like mushrooms and, well, LSD. 
apparently it was later realized that these compounds did not provide realistic models of psychotic psychos, psychosis or mental illness. This led to the term hallucinogens being more commonly used. That's, yeah, probably better, isn't it? Yet this term again has negative connotations, implying that these drugs principally produce hallucinations. In reality, at ordinary doses, most users do not experience hallucinations. Nonetheless, this terminology is still widely used today and remains a preferred name for these substances within scientific writing. Ah. Mind manifesting. So, that's pretty cool. To call... To call something mind manifesting rather than psychedelic is... I like that. Um, because my work at the moment, I'm looking at micro photographs and I'm looking at how I can pull figurative elements out of it to help me create narratives, stories that describe feelings or emotions or experiences that everyone will go through at some point, mainly adversities, but uh, I think I should probably start thinking of joyful things as well. Um, But I suppose they're ironic in a way because they're trying to be aesthetically pleasing, they're trying to be bright and vibrant and beautiful, as are the micro photographs of tissue that has fucking cancer and shit uh, that I'm looking at. So it's like very pretty picture, but this, the, if you really think about it, it's actually quite a morbid picture that it's painting. Um, but not all micro photographs of cells and bacteria and stuff are morbid. They just tell the story of life, which, if you are telling the story of life, you can't really leave out death, so you've got to paint the whole picture, dude. I'm not painting an idealised version of life, I'm painting reality. Um, in, an ab- well, in an abstract way, but I like to think of... I'm as exploring perception, and the thing is, we all have this thing called consciousness, which is pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty sick. Some people say they don't daydream or dream. I I think that's uh, really odd because I've always been a daydreamer myself uh, since I was a little kid, little kid, and uh, I think imagination is a very powerful tool that we can use to help us figure out what actions we want to take next. And if we just have imagination and we don't really think about it or break it down or try and interpret it, then it's so wasted. Because I feel like through really analysing what 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 we, uh, what we uh, dream about, think about a lot of the time, then we can figure out if we've got something we need to process, if we've got a dream that we need to conquer, if we need to go after it, and we all, we all get really good ideas, or think we have good ideas, and then forget to write them down. So I think everyone should start having a dream journal, dude. Do you know what I mean? 
That'll be pretty cool. In fact, that's, that's a cool thing to talk about in my next publication, which is about, sorry, it's about perception. Perception Yeah, it's going to be sick. We can alter the way we think about the world, ourselves, and other people by changing our habits. That's how I've done it, by changing my habits. Healthy habits lead to a more positive perception of the world around you, of the people around you. If you care about yourself enough and love yourself enough to put yourself in a gym, to put yourself in some running shoes and go out for a run, to start meal prepping, to start preparing for life's hardships, you will enjoy life more because you're prepared. When bad things happen, then you're not going to be worried because you're prepared, dude. You're prepared. You've got the emergency fund. Everyone needs an emergency fund. If you've not got an emergency fund and you're frivolously spending, stop it, dude. You know, apparently we all need like one 1K at least, an emergency fund. Always have at least 1K. So, I mean, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But I can see the importance of it. Like, I've been selling lots of shit I don't need. I've been trying to create a fund, an emergency fund. Because if you've got that, it's something to fall back on. Uh, and if you if you save and invest, then it's very smart. And everyone should be doing that. Because it will help eliminate s- stress. A lot of stress comes from money worries, I think. And a lot of people are worrying about that stuff now. But there's also a lot of materialism and commercialism that we all need to say fuck off to. Because when someone dies close to us, like it happened to me, my dad died, I was like, well, nothing fucking matters. Does it? Who gives a shit? Like, I care about making myself presentable. And that needn't cost a lot of money. I don't need fucking logos. I can nip to the charity shop and buy a shirt for three pounds and iron it. Clean and iron it. And look presentable. Being presentable is more about confidence and just looking clean. And fucking smelling good. And you can get shower gel from the pound shop. It smells nice. It stinks nice. You want to stink good? You know, I mean, I've got... My bed sheet, so I'm lying in my bed now. From Pound Stretcher, dude. Do you know what I mean? I got houseplant from Aldi and I've grew it really big to oxygenate. Oxygenate. To put lots of oxygen in my room. I'm a scientist. Oxygenate. The dyslexic scientist. I'm not dyslexic, but the way I speak is... So I'm sure a lot of dyslexics would love me because I can speak their language, language, 
language. I've just had some mint tea because uh, I had a stomachache and I shat in my toilet and it made a real big mess and it was disgusting. Um, so don't, I would say, don't eat lots of chocolate. I've been trying to eat healthy. I only had a couple of squares. That's what it sounded like. I'll tell you that. Say that my back's been hurting all week since I went for a run at the start of the week. I think I did something to it. I couldn't even like really sit upright the other day. But I've been doing ice baths every morning, apart from this morning because I had to uh, drop my mum off train station, so I I wasn't able to do it. And then I, by the time we got back, I thought, oh, fuck's sake, I'll do it tomorrow morning. It'd be all right. But uh, the ice baths, very helpful. Very helpful in uh, alleviating aches and pains. I think they call it high... Uh, not hydrotherapy, or some kind of therapy. I can't remember the bleeding name. Hydrotherapy. Habatherapa. Habatherapa. I went to yoga the other week and they made us do a big om. You might have heard about these oms. I'm on the podcast I did with Amira because I think we both went om at the end of it. Yeah, I don't know. Rock and roll. But yeah, anyway, I um, I come up with this new term called anthromicroscopy, which is a fusion of anthro, meaning human, and microscopy, which is the study of small objects. So like a microscope. Looking at small things, anthromicroscopy. Uh, it signifies an exploration where the microscopic world intertwines with the complexities of human experience and serves as a bridge connecting the minute to the monumental, the huge, inviting people to have a bit of a closer look at the intricacies of their own emotions and the vastness of the human psyche. Through and through microscopy, I hope that I'm going to be able to unveil the unseen connections between these small details and the complexity of human existence. In my paintings... Characterized by psychedelic elements, become portals into this anthromicroscopic realm where the scientific beauty of the microscopic imagery converges with figurative elements. These visual language transcends traditional boundaries. I'm just reading my artist statement. Good to take a deep breath.
It really is. It really, really is. Alright guys. I had a really good time yesterday. I had an open studio. And it went well. I sold some zines. I met a cool dude. Shook his hand. Talked to him about perception. He was from... He wasn't from Persia, but he was brought up by his Persian family. And he was a very cool dude, who was also a dude who's connected to the men's mental health group I'm a part of in Leicester called the Brotherhood Legion, which I really wish I had more time to fucking go to their things because it really is good. And I saw they were doing a hike today and it snowed and they were hiking in the snow, and that just looked like fun. And I want to do that. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'll, I'll probably go on a hike at some point. Might go next week on my own. We'll see. The weather can stop you. But getting out into a vast landscape sure does give you good feelings and good vibrations, dude. It really does. It really does. But seriously, like when I go to the P district, I went up to um the flipping place. You know, one of the peaks in the, one of the peaks, one of the peaks on the pipe district. Oh, I went. Up, I went up to it. Walked up it myself. I ambled up the hills. And it was beautiful. It was so big. It was so gigantic. You know when you're driving through it, it doesn't seem very big. But when you park up your car in a car park and then you walk up the big hills, the big mountains with a rucksack on. God damn. So beautiful. So green and moist with dew. And the big lakes and the waterfalls. And there's no one for miles, and it's quiet, and the air is fresh, and it's it's like a dream, dude. It's like a dream. You could go and live up there. No one would even notice, I don't think. Like, yeah, I think it would be pretty easy, pretty easy, to find a spot in the wilderness and just, like, live there. Just got to scope it out, you know what I mean? Might be something I do, I don't know. Apparently, there's someone who lives in the woods that I uh, stayed in a cottage in last week. Because that was cool. That was weird. Like, driving down a track through the woods to a cottage. There was no one there. I had to let myself in. Pretty freaky stuff. Uh, pretty cool, though. But anyway, apparently there's a dude that lives in that woods in uh, Northampton. And, like, a tent. I used to live in, like... A building, but they knocked the building down or something, which seems a bit shit. But maybe, maybe it was a dangerous building. I don't know. Yeah, totally doable. I'd say. I think probably more doable in places like uh, Alaska. But uh, you know, I'd, I'd be more comfortable doing it somewhere where they spoke my language, English, because then if anyone came across me, I'd be like, "Yo, what up?" You want me to go? Yeah, I'll go. It's all right. I'm just chilling out. You know, I'm just camping. It's a temporary camp. 
with a real roof on, with logs, made of logs. I don't know. Doesn't everyone want to just run away and live in the woods sometimes? I feel like it's a normal thing to want these days. With all of this modern technology. Huh? So much technology. It's horrific. It's terrible. It's terrible. I used to be able to whistle through my two front teeth because they used to have a big gap in between my front teeth. And they, one of them was fake. The one on the left, which is now gold. Uh, my old one was just a filling. There was a temporary filling before I got a cap. Now I've got a proper... A proper... Um, crown. Solid gold crown. And it's sick. And I'm glad I got it. I really am. Because... I can smile now and it, my smile's nice, but it used to just look weird and people, people said it was like, you know, character, but it's so much, so much nicer having like a nice, nice teeth, dude. I like it. But I used to be able to whistle because I had like a, a gap between those two front teeth so I could like do a high pitch whistle. I was on my party trick. I liked it. Yeah. Can't do it with this one. I bet I could ask my dentist to like fiddle with it. To like make my teeth into a musical instrument. I wonder if someone's had, ever had that done. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Imagine making your teeth. like ask, Asking them to like file it down so that you could make different notes with the different gaps in between your teeth. That'd be weird. That'd be pretty weird. That'd be pretty, pretty cool though. You could do it with the uh, with the jaws of your enemies when you kill them. You could take their teeth and make it into a musical instrument. How about that? Caveman-esque. Caveman. Caveman. Take skulls of enemies. There were cannibal cavemen in Somerset. Wow. Cool. No, oh, I can't read it, though. You have to pay. Why do you have to pay to read everything these days, dude? Fucking sucks, dude. Dude. This podcast might be a record breaker for saying dude as many times as possible. Yep. Dead air. Dead air. So I think I'm going to get a passport and go on a random trip somewhere. I think at the start of next year. On my own. Because... 
I think that would be a cool thing to do. You can go on the Eurostar, so cheap. And people keep hitting me up all over the world. So I'm like, maybe we could maybe we could just get in touch with people and be like, yo, can I uh, sleep on your sofa for a day or two in like Paris? Save money on a hotel or buy them some food or cook them food, dinner, whatever. You know, it'd be cool. I don't know, I've got friends from uni that live all over the place. So, you know. Why not? The internet is great for that. Where you meet people all over the world and they like what you do and then you can go and collaborate with them. That's fucking sick. It's another reason I do this. It's an excuse to talk to other people but no one's on it today. No one's on it today. I mean, I'm on it and I'm somebody. I'm not a nobody. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fucking ego, dude. Ego is the self. Ego is your personality. It's your idea of yourself, right? So what is an ego death? Let's look at that. What is an ego death? What is an ego death? Well, it's the death of the self. Complete loss of subject self, subjective self-identity. Well, let's go on the Wikipedia. But I bet there's diff- there's diff- well, I know there's different uh, definitions. So let's at let's look at Jungian psychology's definition. Um, according to blah blah blah, in order to radically improve global quality of life, it seems necessary. To have a fundamental transformation of the psyche. Such a shift in personality has been labelled an ego death. In Buddhism, or a psychic death by Jung, because it implies a shift back to the existential position of the natural self, living the true purpose of life. The problem of healing and improving the global quality of life seems strongly connected to the unpleasantness of the ego death experience. You know what I like about what I've just read there? says, living the true purpose of life. I'm sure I heard Alan Watts, who's a really cool dude, 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 say the purpose of life is to just live it. I love that. Just fucking live it, dude. We're all complaining all the time, but all of the problems we have are going to learn something from. Even the hard ones. So just surrender. <laughs> to the fucking hardships and, and, like, the stress and just be like, well, yeah. Well, this is life, man. This is it. That's okay. We'll get up tomorrow. We'll try again. Like, you know, just keep fucking going. Keep going. And eventually, you'll be able to afford to be putting a bit of cheese on top of your pasta. Hmm? Nice. Psychedelics. Ooh. And this is on the Ego Death page. Concepts and ideas from mysticism and bohemianism. I hate bohemians. Like this idea that you live in squalor and you're like having a good time 
and you're like, oh, I'm going to OD in my fucking loft flat that I'm squatting in. How arty, how amazing. It's not. Fucking mould on the walls and you're developing a fucking uh, leg with scabs all over it. That's what bohemianism is. Bohemian is. Bohemia is bullshit. This a glamorization of bad habits and it's just toxic. It's like those fucking stinky hippie wank bastards want to live in shit. I'm like, you know, I like a washing machine. I like detergent. I like shower gel. I like cleaning myself and I like hard work. And when I'm not doing hard work, I feel like a piece of shit. I think you need work. I think you need to work on something. I think it just needs to have meaning to you as a person. But you get meaning from doing hard things, I think. You you feel a sense of satisfaction, no matter what it is. You're doing something and it, and it gives you an outcome. You, and, and you've made something new and cool. So if that's a creative thing you're doing or if it's just like anything, anything, you just... Just do just do an action and it leads to another action and every, everything, every action leads to something being manipulated into something else, I feel like. Because it's using one form of energy, calories, and then turning it into something else. So everything, in that sense, is a metamorphosis. It's <sighs> pretty cool, dude. This interest in mysticism helped shape the emerging research and popular conversation around psychedelics, blah, blah, blah. Burroughs drew a distinction between sedative and conscious expanding drugs. In the 1940s and 50s, the use of LSD was restricted to military and psychiatric researchers. One of those researchers was Timothy Leary, a clinical psychologist who first encountered psychedelic drugs while on vacation in 1960 and started to research the effects of psilocybin in 1961. He sought advice from Aldous Huxley, who advised him to propagate psychedelic drugs among society's elites, including artists and intellectuals. On instance of Allen Ginsberg, Leary, together with his younger colleague Richard Albert, also made LSD available to students. On, in 1962, Leary was fired and Harvard's psychedelic research program was shut down. In 1962, Leary founded Castellia Foundation and in 63, he and his colleagues founded the journal so The Psychedelic Review. Oh, so cool, dude. Cool. Following Huxley's advice, this is Aldous, Aldous Huxley, who wrote that cool book. What's it called? The Doors of Perception. The Doors of Perception, man. Larry wrote a manual for LSD usage. The Psychedelic Experience was published in 1964. Is a guide for LSD trips written by Timothy Leary, Ralph Metzer, and Richard Albert. Loosely based on Walter Evans' translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, Aldous Huxley introduced the Tibetan Book of the Dead to Timothy Leary.
According to Leary, Metzner and Alpert, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is a key to the innermost recesses of the human mind and a guide for initiates 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 and for those who are seeking the spiritual path of liberation well that sounds fucking lit do people say that anymore that sounds lit bro let's have a look the bardo Fadol, commonly known as the in the West as the Tibetan Book of the Dead, is the term a text from a larger corpus of teachings, the profound Dharma of self liberation through intention of the peaceful and wrathful ones revealed by Karma Lingpa. It is the best known work of Nyingma literature. In 1927, the text was one of the first examples of both Tibetan and something else literature to be translated into European language and arguably contains, to this day, to be the best known. Ooh. It looks sick. I want to have a go at it. Let's open it in a new tab. Ooh. Seriously, like, I love going on rabbit holes like this. It's my favourite thing. Why would you scroll Instagram all night when you can go on Wikipedia, which is an endless, amazing fucking resource for finding out cool shit? With the inter- you can learn so much on the internet. It's amazing. I learned how to do a podcast, how to make my cursor on my website into a smiley face and uh, upset face. If you go on my website on a, on a computer, you can play with that. It's kind of fun. I learned how to make charcoal on the internet, how to make my own oil paint, how to do all sorts of shit. If I want to learn how to do something, I just go on the internet and I find out it's amazing. It's so amazing and it's this powerful resource we have and we should be using it as it was intended to be used for, to find out information and to share information and to create networks of uh, people that share information with each other to expand the minds of everyone and to better understand everything that's going on in the world so that we can create a society that helps, not hinders the people within it. Now are we going to do that? Well, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe we should try by being nice to each other instead of being a bitch all the time, huh? People that complain, I fucking hate that, dude. You know what I like? I like people that, that are, you know, smile. I like people that smile and laugh and they like comedy. I like the, the fucking, the worst kind of comedy, the darkest shit, where they're like fucking joking about amputees and I don't know just like dark shit anything like super horrible yeah I don't know any, any anything you can make a joke about it didn't have to be that kind of I don't know why I brought that up I don't like jokes about amputees all the time what I'm saying is 
Don't lose your leg about it. Whoa! What a terrible, terrible fucking joke. Yeah, well, this, uh, this book looks interesting. And uh, there's some really cool imagery. Hmm. Tibetan Buddhism. Buddhism, to me, is, like, pretty cool. I think Buddhism might have led me to look into Stoicism, I think, because I heard of the term desire of suffering. And that's, like, a, 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 Buddhist, a Buddhist term. And I, I, I sincerely agree with that. I sincerely agree with that in the context of me chasing something or someone that didn't want me. It causes suffering. <laughs> Desire causes suffering, especially if if you're desiring something that you can't have because they, they don't want you or that you can't have because you don't have enough money. You're always going to be suffering. You're always going to be wanting more. That's not cool. That's not nice. You don't need more. You don't need as much as you think, man. You need a bit of rice and a bit of chicken. There's some nice katsu curry sauce on it. You can make yourself, by the way, very easily. All you need is an onion, some garlic, a carrot, some curry powder, some honey, salt, pepper, flour, water, chicken stock cube. You don't need a lot. You can, get all, you can get all the ingredients cheap. You can steal them. Yeah, man. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, Buddhism is sick. Minimalism is cool. We don't need a lot. If people tell you you need more or what you're doing is stupid, those people are fucking retarded, all right? Fuck them off. If you want to do something, you fucking do it. People are telling you it's stupid because they don't want to... They're just fucking boring. You know what I'm saying? I get rid of people. I block them. I'm just like, fuck you. Criticize me. I just do what I want. You know what I mean? I want to paint pictures. I want to record me saying stupid shit and put it on the internet. I'll do it. And you should too. Because we're all going to die. Call to adventure. Supernatural aid. Threshold beginning transformation, abyss, death and rebirth, transformation, atonement, return, a hero's journey. Mm. Cool. The hero with a thousand faces. Psychedelics, blah, blah, blah. Spiritual traditions. So, Zen practice is said to lead to an ego death. Ego death is called great death. In contrast to the physical small death, according to Jin Park, the ego death that Buddhism encourage, encourages makes an end to the usually unconsciousness and automated quest to understand the sense of self as a thing instead of a process. According to Park, meditation is learning how to die by learning to forget the sense of self. Learning to forget the sense of self. Enlightenment occurs when the usually automatized reflexivity of consciousness ceases, which is experienced as a letting go and falling into the void of being wiped out of existence. When consciousness stops trying to catch its own tail, I become nothing and discover that I am everything. 
According to Wellwood, egolessness is a common experience. Egolessness appears in the gaps and spaces between thoughts which usually go unnoticed. Existential anxiety arises when one realises that the feeling of I is nothing more than a perception. According to Wellwood, only egolessness, only egoless, <laughs> egoless awareness allows us to face and accept death in all forms. Tell you, I really like that. Egolessness is a common experience. Egolessness appears in the gaps and spaces between thoughts, which usually go unnoticed. Between thoughts that usually go unnoticed. You know, when we're in the moment and we're not thinking, we're just doing, we're just acting. And we're not thinking and we're automatic. You're not being self-conscious. And that is forgetting of the ego. That is good. When you're in crisis, you forget about it. You're not caring about what you fucking look like. You're just getting on with it. You're getting shit done. That's what we should be doing all the time. I feel like in hard times, um, people lose their ego more. I don't know. Maybe that's just bullshit. Uh, but I keep seeing memes where it's like, in hard times, create tough men. Comfortable times, create weak men. You can choose to make it hard time for yourself, even if you're having a really comfortable time. That's why I think really rich people work out. Because <laughs> they're fucking punishing themselves. It's not nice to feel in afterwards. I mean, it is. You get that good, good feeling after cardio, but if you're really fucking putting the work in... <laughs> You feel like, you know, exhausted. But is it better than better than feeling exhausted from eating fucking shit all the time, I'll tell you that. But by doing that, by um putting yourself through extreme like exertion, you I think you lose a sense of um the ego. I think you lose a bit of the ego. I think it's good because it humbles you and also you you just you just um really in that moment in that task that you that you are you are acting in you're you're walking up a hill with a really heavy backpack on you're going in a, a really cold ice plunge you're in the moment you're not thinking oh no oh i should have wore a belt today because my trousers are ruffled or oh, oh oh no what will the man think of me that's walking towards me who the fuck gives a shit He's going to die, you're going to die, everyone's going to die that you know and love and you're thinking about that. What fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Why do we care? I don't fucking give a shit. Sometimes I think I'm walking funny and I think, what the fuck, fucking walking funny and then I start walking differently and then before you know it, I'm walking weird. Fuck is that? Maybe that's the ego, I don't know. Who the fuck gives a shit about anything, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? We need to just do stuff without thinking. And then we'll, we'll get a result and then we can look at the result and we can and we can go on and, and do it again and again and then we'll get better at it. The relationship between ego, death and LSD has been disputed. Hunter S. Thompson, my fucking favourite journalist ever, who tried LSD, saw a self-centred base in Leary's work, noting that Leary placed himself at the centre of his texts using his persona as an exemplary ego, not a dissolved one. Dan McCure notes that the use of LSD in combination with Leary's manual often did not lead to ego death, but to horrifying bad trips. Ugh. 
God. Tell you what, that's kind of funny coming from Hunter S. Thompson, calling Leary's work, like, self-centred. Hunter S. Thompson's work is self-centred. That's what gonzo journalism is, is it not? It's like putting yourself in it. Uh, I suppose he used alter egos. But he's talking about himself. Or he's just making this this idea of himself and writing stories. But he's a big inspiration of mine. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace, Hunter. Cool dude. Yeah, boy. Liberate yourself from yourself and do things. Get up. Fucking get at it, man. <laughs> Not a mine. Great liberation through hearing. Ooh. I did an art degree and got a 2 1. And I don't even feel like I really even gave it my all. And you can do anything. So if, you, if you're strapped for cash and you've never done a degree and you're in the UK and you've not got a lot of cash and you're like 21 or over and you've got some A-levels, do some, create a portfolio <laughs> and, and, and uh, use chat GDP to help you write an artist statement and apply for uh, an art degree and you'll probably get on the course, especially if it's not in London, if it's just in random towns where they have universities and they have art degrees go and get an art degree you get loads of student loan and you can work while you're doing it and if you're not don't don't get self-conscious just fucking do the work it's really easy to do it's very straightforward they basically tell you what to do and um if you're stuck on anything you just ask them for help an art degree is a great thing to do if you're strapped for cash it really helped me actually i, I it helped me to think differently about the world and it gave me the confidence to um, go for things, go for opportunities and I've made more money this year like as I was graduating I was getting opportunities and I keep getting opportunities and I keep seeking them and I keep doing proposals just fucking do shit man you got an idea write it down and figure out how you can make money out of it you you just get in contact with local business owners, especially like pubs and cafes and things. They've got a space you can use. Propose you want to do a, a craft fair or a, a weird workshop where you uh, look into people's minds and you just put on like a weird mask. I'm sure they'd be up for it. They'd be like, yeah, sure, mate, yeah. Gets people in buying drinks. You know, you you could you could make money doing anything, man. You create a website. You can do anything, dude. Everyone can do anything they want if you just fucking put in the time and effort to do it. No matter what bullshit it is, you can do it. Crystal skulls. Do you believe in crystal skulls? Yes. Yes, I do. Right. Well, that's enough bullshit for this Sunday, everyone. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble on. I will try and get a guest on for next week, but if not, it will be me again, and I'll try and come up with some kind of narrative, but it's kind of fun just to make it up as I go along. 
Rock and roll. Peace out. Make sure you do nice, big, stinky dumps. Love you, babes.